Hey guys, Dr. Childs here. Today we're gonna to be talking about the nine triggers of Hashimoto's thyroiditis flare-ups. So we're not talking about the triggers of Hashimoto's thyroiditis itself. Instead, we're talking about things that trigger flare-ups. Now, if you are new to Hashimoto's, hopefully you are not, but if you are new to Hashimoto's, then hopefully you know by now that your disease uh, the disease of Hashimoto's can fluctuate in terms of how you're doing. Sometimes you can be doing really well. Sometimes you can be doing a lot worse, right? And so we're going to be talking about those things which make you feel a lot worse. And as we talk about these things, these triggers of flare-ups, it's really important for you to th realize that Hashimoto's is mostly a disease of your immune system. Yes, Hashimoto's does and can and will probably, in most cases, impact thyroid function, which results in a lot of the symptoms that you're probably experiencing right now, including things like weight gain and hair loss and, and acne and joint pain and constipation and cold intolerance and so on. But those are symptoms related to thyroid function. Those are not symptoms related to immune dysfunction. The immune dysfunction is that the key, or it is really at the heart of what causes the thyroid problem. It is your own body which is attacking your thyroid gland, which then causes a decrease in thyroid hormone and then causes those symptoms. So a lot of people kind of confuse this, which is why I'm taking a minute to talk about that. There's a difference between the immune aspect and the actual thyroid aspect. Both are important, but most of the time when we talk about Hashimoto's flare-up symptoms and what causes them, the triggers, we're talking about what things make your immune system worse, okay? So keep that in mind as we talk about this. And again, it's really important because if you can identify these triggers and if you can stop them, you'll feel a lot better, right? You'll stop the destruction of your thyroid gland, which will then hopefully improve thyroid function, provided you still have some salvageable thyroid gland left, which if you haven't had your disease for more than 10 or 15 years, that is probably the case. Okay. That long intro aside, let's talk about the triggers of a Hashimoto's flare-up. So number one, we have diet. Yes, we're always gonna be talking about diet because diet is probably one of, if not the most important things that you can control as a patient with Hashimoto's. You cannot control the medication that your doctor gives you, but you can control the food that you put inside of your mouth. And yes, the food that you put in your mouth has a huge impact on thyroid function as well as your immune function. So if you put good things in your body, it will do a lot of good for your thyroid and for your immune system. Conversely, if you put bad things in your body, it will do a lot of bad for your immune system and for your thyroid. So really the key here is figuring out which things are good and which things are bad. So let's talk about those things which are bad. Again, we're not gonna be talking about good things necessarily right now. We're talking about things which are gonna make your immune system worse. So the top three things that you probably already know about if you've had Hashimoto's for any period of time include gluten, dairy, and soy. These are probably the three worst type of foods that you can consume if you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Now, it isn't universally true that every patient with Hashimoto's needs to avoid these foods. However, there are a lot of people with Hashimoto's who have sensitivities to these foods, and the consumption of these foods can trigger a flare-up, and often does, by the way. So I'm not going to talk about why these things are bad. I have videos which explain them in detail why they are bad, but I do want you to know, or I want you to note right now that the consumption of gluten, dairy, and or soy or any, in, in isolation or any combination of these can result in a flare-up. The next thing you want to be cognizant of um, would be the consumption of inflammatory oils. So there are a number of oils which are heavily processed. These are commonly referred to as vegetable oils, and they are anything but vegetable oils, right? But they are, they are very processed and refined, and as a result, they imbalance 
the ratio of omega-3 fatty acids to omega-6 fatty acids. And as such, they kind of put the gas or push the gas pedal down on inflammation inside of the body. That's why I refer to them as pro-inflammatory oils. Now, the avoidance of these oils is highly recommended if you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis because of their impact on immune function. Now, you can sort of combat this by eating foods that are high in omega-3 fatty acids, including things like salmon and fish and other things like that. You can also take omega-3 fatty acid supplements, which is why these are very beneficial if you have inflammation. And we'll be talking about supplements and nutrient deficiencies as we go here, but I want to throw that out as a primer. And then lastly, any sort of processed food. So you really just want to avoid processed food. I probably don't need to explain why that is, but they have lots of preservatives and chemicals that are really not meant to be consumed by the body. And they have been known to cause issue in issues in certain individuals. So just avoid processed foods. Um, again, th this is sort of common sense type dietary stuff. Um, and you should probably be aware of all this stuff, but maybe you're not aware that the consumption of these things can negatively impact immune function or immune health. So keep that in mind as you're thinking about what foods you put into your body. You know, more important perhaps than what the good foods you put in your body is the avoidance of the bad foods, which are known to cause issues. So that is number one for good reason. Number two, we have stress. So really any type of stress can result in a flare up of Hashimoto's, but the two I really wanna focus on are emotional and physical. So we have physical in the sense where, let's say you get in a car accident. Let's say you get in a car accident and um, you, know, you had some sort of trauma to your body. That's physical stress. You know, so something happened physically to your body. On the other hand, we also have emotional stress, which is very important. And this can, be include, this can include things like, you know, just having to give a, a public talk or, or, you know, give a presentation at work. That will cause some amount of stress for some people. Some people are really good and that isn't an issue that, you know, that may not be you, but it could be you as well. It is, it's, you know, you'll have to kind of assess that internally where you fit on that spectrum. So what I've done here is I've included a number of common triggers that I've seen stress-wise that have resulted in flare-ups and even, by the way, the precipitation of Hashimoto's thyroiditis in certain individuals. So these are the common ones that I see um, or have seen in the past among patients with Hashimoto's. So probably number one would be death of a loved one. If someone near or close to you passes, that is often a huge trigger for stress inside of its emotional type of stress in the body. Um, it can also be physical if you were the caregiver to that person. So that, that includes a combination of emotional and physical being a caregiver because there's the emotional component and also the physical component. If you need to help them up and move, move them around, that could cause a lot of stress on your body physically as well. Um, number three would be problems with spouse or with a or any sort of relationship problems. Another common issue. Um, this can often uh, manifest itself as divorce, but it doesn't have to. It can just be problems um, internally with your relationships. And then also another big one would be issues with your children, either socially or at school or whatever. You know, um, you, maybe your your kids having problems at school or with other friends. Something like that related to somebody that you know very closely that can cause a lot of emotional stress. And these stressors by themselves are often enough to trigger Hashimoto's uh, flare-ups as well. And I want you to be thinking about, uh, we're gonna skip ahead a little bit just for a second here, but as we talk about these triggers, I want you to realize that it's usually not just one trigger that results in your flare-up. It's usually a combination of things. So that'll become more evident when we get to the, to the later ones here, but I wanna just throw that out as a primer now. Number three, we have viral infections. So really any sort of infection, as you might imagine, is going to cause stress on your immune system, right? I mean, that, that's pretty obvious. If you get sick, your immune system is going to have to rally to get rid of that illness. It's going to have to, if that's a viral infection, it's gonna to have to help your body naturally get rid of the viral infection, right? And so any infection of any type can cause issues with the immune system. Not, not, uh, that doesn't mean they'll always lead to a flare-up, however. You know, if your immune system is in a good spot and let's say you get the flu, um, your body will be able to handle it 
and it's not going to cause a flare-up. But if you are somebody who already has a little bit of a weakened immune system because you have you know, some exposure to stress or maybe you're not eating healthy, now all of a sudden your immune system is not where it should be and then you get sick and all of a sudden now your immune system is having a problem fighting or combating that illness and it can't do it on its own. And that's going to result in a little bit of damage and then maybe you'll get a flare-up as a result of that. Now, there are some common viral infections which have been known to cause issues in patients with Hashimoto's, and those include CMV and EBV, um, um, otherwise known as infectious mononucleosis. And so a lot of patients with Hashimoto's know that that could potentially be a causative trigger of the disease itself. And once you have these two infections that I just mentioned, they're really with you for life. So some people believe that because they're with you for life, they can sort of rear their ugly head out when conditions get bad or when your immune system gets weakened, much in the same way that you might get shingles if you've had chickenpox previously in your life. Now, there are some debate about how this works, and, and I won't be getting into that debate, but I will say that viral infections can potentially precipitate um, a flare-up in patients with Hashimoto's, and those two should be particularly looked at um, closely, including CMV and EPV. But again, any viral infection can do this. Number four, we have nutrient deficiencies. So nutrients, uh, vitamins and minerals, play an important role in the regulation of your immune system, your thyroid health, and pretty much really everything inside of your body, right? So these immune, these nutrient deficiencies can play a big role in how well the body is functioning just on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, when it comes to the thyroid and when it comes to the immune system, there are a handful that are very important. These are much more important than other nutrients, even though all nutrients are pretty important because they play different roles and they, have, they do different things inside of the body. But as it relates to your thyroid and immune function, I wanna focus on a couple of specific ones right now. So number one and number two, pretty much whenever we're talking about the thyroid, these are always going to be mentioned, and they include zinc and selenium. Zinc is, both of these are very important for thyroid function, but they also play other protective roles inside of the body as it relates to Hashimoto. So in the case of zinc, it's very important for managing the immune system itself. And in the case of selenium, selenium is very protective against thyroid gland damage from free radicals because it helps with the production of glutathione. So zinc and selenium, again, very important for thyroid health as well as for immune system health. If you haven't had these levels tested or if you haven't uh, been supplementing with them, it's probably a good idea to do that or at least look into it. And again, I have lots of videos on that topic, so I'd look into that. Next, we have iodine. Now, iodine is a very controversial topic when it comes to Hashimoto's, but I want it to be said here that too much iodine can be bad, just like too little iodine can be bad. And we know that Hashimoto's can be associated with both states. So you can actually cause a flare-up by consuming too much iodine all at once. And I've seen that happen very frequently. On the other hand, I, you can also have set uh, the stage for um, flare-ups to occur if you're iodine intake is not sufficient, meaning you're not getting enough of it. So too much bad, too little bad, you really wanna find that Goldilocks zone, which is usually somewhere between 150 to 250 micrograms of iodine per day, not milligrams, micrograms. Next we have vitamin D. So vitamin D is very important. We know that people who have low vitamin D levels are more likely to have issues with their immune system and they're more likely to develop any type of autoimmune disease, including Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So optimizing your vitamin D level is very, very important if you have Hashimoto's. And it's something that you should be getting checked at least somewhat regularly. Now, luckily, it's pretty easy to increase your vitamin D. You can just take a vitamin D3 supplement, not D2. I have a lot of patients who are being prescribed D2 supplements and those do not work. Um, so look for D3. But if you're taking D3, you can usually increase that level fairly rapidly. 
Next up, we have magnesium. So again, we know that people who have magnesium deficiency, they're more likely to develop Hashimoto's thyroiditis as well as thyroid problems. And that probably has to do with the fact that magnesium is required for energy production. And the thyroid gland, because of what it's doing, requires a lot of energy. So if you can't, if you don't have enough magnesium, your thyroid can't produce the energy that it needs. Therefore, it can't do all the functions that it needs to do. And you're more likely to end up in a flare-up as for, for a number of different reasons. And then lastly, antioxidants play an especially important role in patients who have Hashimoto's because of how Hashimoto's occurs. So there's a lot of damage that occurs when you, when somebody who has Hashimoto's, when they're trying to create thyroid hormone. And as these antioxidants help to um, neutralize free radicals that occur in this process and protect the thyroid gland from that damage. So antioxidants of pretty much any type are often very valuable to somebody who is trying to prevent a flare-up or who is trying to, to treat Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is actively raging inside of their thyroid gland. Next, we have number five, and that is bacterial infections. So remember when I was talked about viral infections, we have viral infections, we have bacterial infections, we also have parasites, which we'll be talking about in just a second. But again, any of these things which put pressure or put a little bit of stress on your immune system can lead to an exacerbation of Hashimoto symptoms by virtue of the stress that they put on the immune system. Because remember, if you are causing any issue with the immune system, that will be reflected in thyroid function as a result of how the body is damaging the thyroid gland. So when it comes to bacterial infections, we have a couple which are probably well known and then maybe a couple that are a little less known and less common. So I'll talk about some of the main ones. The, the main one that you should be aware of as a patient who has Hashimoto's is H. pylori. So that's also known as Helicobacter pylori. And this is the causative uh, agent which is, which is known to result in stomach ulcers. So this little guy can get inside the stomach and it can result in stomach ulcers. And it's felt to be one of the potential causes of Hashimoto's itself. Now, what ends up happening is a lot of patients who have H. pylori, that might have been the thing that caused their Hashimoto's, and maybe they treated it, and maybe they got a little bit better. But what can happen is this disease, this infection, can rear its ugly head every now and then. So if you get under a little bit of stress, or maybe you're not eating healthy anymore, and maybe you're creating an environment in which H. pylori can grow inside of the stomach, then that thing can come back, and that can result in worsening symptoms or a flare-up. So if you've had a history of H. pylori, um, and you know you have, it's a good idea to check on that at least occasionally, especially if you start noticing some GI problems. But please note that it doesn't always result in pain or issues with your stomach. It can be in there sort of hidden and smoldering and causing issues without you even realizing it. So do get tested for that, especially if you have GI issues or if you're not even sure what the cause of your Hashimoto's is or if you just get a flare-up out of nowhere and you're trying to figure out what the cause is. A couple of other ones which I'm going to mention here, but they're not as common, include Yersinia enterocolitica and then also Borrelia burgdorferi. So Borrelia causes Lyme and Yersinia is, is commonly found in undercooked pork. Now, again, these aren't super common, at least in developed countries, but we're, well, Lyme is, but um, Yersinia is not so much. And as long as you're cooking your pork, that's usually not an issue. Lyme is a whole other story itself, so I'm not going to get really deep into that right now. But just know that these things can be associated with flare-ups. And then lastly, pretty much any other bacterial infection. So even sinus infections, strep throat, things like that, they're just putting stress on the immune system and that can cause problems. Number six, we have lack of sleep and lack of exercise. Now again, this is kind of going back to what I mentioned previously, and that is the creation of the perfect storm of events which are leading to the, the Hashimoto's flare-up. So imagine a scenario in which you're under a lot of stress. Maybe you're being a caretaker, or maybe you are having issues with your spouse or with your relationship. That's causing some anxiety. So now you're not sleeping very well. You're not sleeping very well, so now you don't have energy, so now you're not exercising as frequently as you once were. So now you have these three things going on. Now, because you're not eating as healthy, maybe now you're starting to develop a little bit of nutrient deficiencies. Maybe you're not getting out in the sun anymore because you're not going on hikes and that was your form of exercise. So now your vitamin D is lowering. So all of a sudden now, this one thing has triggered a cascade of events, which have which has multiplied, and now you have four or five of these potential triggers, which is leading to your flare-up. 
That is a very common sort of progression of events. And that's why I've, I've included these two things together. Sleep, obviously very important. Exercise, very important as well. Sleep is important for pretty much every system inside of your body, including thyroid function, you know, sex hormone balance, et cetera. And exercise is as well. In fact, exercise has a has a normalizing effect on immune function. I don't want to say it boosts immune function, but it can make your immune system stronger and not stronger in the bad way in the case of Hashimoto's, in which case it might be attacking your thyroid gland more frequently. I'm talking about just stronger in general. Number eight, we have exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals, which I will refer, refer to as EDCs. That's just an abbreviated name for endocrine disrupting chemicals. These are chemicals that you and I come into contact with on a daily basis. They could be inside of um, the lotions, the creams, the makeup that you use. Uh, if you're touching plastics, all sorts of things, receipts even have these. So pretty much anything that you're coming into contact with, it can, a little bit of it can get absorbed inside of the skin. And in large quantities, these things are known to cause problems with your endocrine or your hormone system. That's why they're called endocrine, which means hormone, disrupting, which means causing problems, you know, chemicals, and that's the name, they're, they're chemicals, right? So the, the exposure to these things is usually not an issue, at least for most people, but it can be for those who have Hashimoto's um, because some people just have a harder time eliminating these things. So they can cause a buildup. And now the buildup doesn't usually occur after one or two exposures or one or two days. This is usually a, a buildup over time, right? Usually months to years or even decades even. And eventually if this, if the buildup gets to some level because you're, you're, you're being exposed to more than you can eliminate at a faster rate, then that will build up inside of your body and may cause issues with your hormones. And that can be reflected as a flare up inside um, those patients who have Hashimoto's. This is why it is so important if you have Hashimoto's that you are regularly doing things which augment the existing pathways already inside your body that utilize and take advantage of de detoxification pathways. You have to make sure that you're augmenting these pathways so that you can help your body eliminate these things. And you don't have to go crazy. Simple things like making sure you have one bowel movement per day, drinking enough water every single day, exercising and sweating every day. These all help these processes work and they can help you eliminate these things that you don't want inside of your body that can cause problems. So we don't have to go too crazy with the detoxification pathways to take advantage of what your body already has and take advantage of those things that are there. And then lastly, number nine, we have increased intestinal permeability, which is referred to as leaky gut, okay? So don't let these names kind of confuse you. We're really just talking about damage that can occur inside of the intestinal lining of your gut. And this is the intestinal lining that's supposed to prevent things from getting in that you don't want to get in and allow things that you do want to get in to get in, right? And so when, when you have damage to this gut lining, things are getting in that you don't want to, and that can result in inflammation. It can also result in a, a number of other problems downstream. It can potentially even trigger Hashimoto's in the right setting. But we're not talking about the triggering of Hashimoto's so much as we are the flare-up, right? Because people who have flare-ups, they already have Hashimoto's and things are just getting worse as a result of these triggers. So if you are somebody who has Hashimoto's, you should be aware that damage to the gut, especially the gut lining, can result in a flare-up. Now, other common conditions and gut problems that can result in flare-ups include things like overgrowth syndrome. So that can include small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or small fungal intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So these are sometimes referred to as SIBO and CFO, CFO with an F. And these are the overgrowth syndromes that I mentioned. Chronic constipation can also cause problems and decreased gut motility associated with low thyroid function can also cause problems. So be aware of just gut health in general as you think about Hashimoto's and the progression of your disease. So simplified, you can think about it like this. Problems with your gut, bad for Hashimoto's. Fixing those gut problems, very good for Hashimoto's. Whether you're trying to prevent a flare-up or even just trying to treat your disease state, you really wanna focus on gut health, um, pretty much just period. Now these are the nine most, I would say nine most common triggers of Hashimoto's flare-ups. 
but there are others. In fact, I didn't include them all here because I was afraid this video would go on too long, but these are probably the most common. So if you have any questions about these, um, if something didn't make sense, let me know. Leave a question in the comments below. If you haven't already, make sure that you download my free thyroid PDF resources. I have tons of information all designed to help thyroid patients like you feel better. So otherwise, that's all I have for you guys today, and I will see you in the next one.